Coming up, D-backs get clobbered in game two to the Giants. Were there any positives? What's wrong with the MLB draft? And is the David Peralta trade a win-win for both sides? Breaking it all down for you next. You are locked on Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, the multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas24 for my personal account, or just type in Locked On Diamondbacks to both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast. Handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first to listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. And today's episode is brought to you by Blue, is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On listeners, get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code LOCKEDON at checkout. Now, we're going to talk about the MLB draft, what's wrong with it, and then I want to talk about David Peralta trade as to why it could be a win-win for both sides. But before we get there, we got to talk about Game 2 to the Giants. And I don't want to dwell on, I don't want to dwell on the game too much because the D-backs get just clobbered in that game. I mean, they lose 13 to nothing. And I had, you know, a little almost alliteration written out as my, you know, overall take. Defense in Dallas leads to D-backs demise, which is pretty much the whole point of Game 2. And also the offense doing absolutely nothing. But it's mostly the defense in Dallas. And... Um, I guess I'll start with Dallas Keuchel because Dallas Keuchel is someone I uh, I just didn't want on this roster. Let me start there. I didn't want him in this rotation. I said that before injuries to the rotation. I said that when it was, you know, a lot of people on D-backs Twitter and the community saying, let's go out there and get Dallas Keuchel and bring him in. Former Cy Young Award winner. Great under Brunch Drum. Yeah, all that's true. But Dallas Keuchel, I just think is cooked. I think he's washed. He's a nice guy. He had a great career, borderline Hall of Fame career. When he met Brent Strom, it, it changed uh, it changed Dallas Keuchel's career, and he turned into one of the best pitchers in the league. But he hasn't been good for a couple years now, and this is a, a D-backs team that has so many young pitchers in the minor leagues, from the Ryan Nelsons and the Drew Jamisons, and maybe they're not having great minor league seasons, but those guys are in their mid-20s. It's not like those guys are 20 years old struggling. Those are guys in their mid-20s that can certainly be called upon any time and be brought up to the major league level, and I'd rather see young guys in this rotation than Dallas Keuchel. I just don't understand why he has to be pitching for this D-back team. Is it just to reunite him with Brent Strom and hopefully and hoping he can find lightning in a bottle? Or maybe you're hoping uh, if you do find that lightning in the bottle that maybe he can turn into a trade asset. I don't know what it is, but whenever it seems like Dallas Keuchel is starting, just bad things happen for the D-backs, whether it's his, whether it's his pitching or just some unlucky defense. But the Dallas Keuchel starts do not get off to good starts, let me say that, because listen to his last four starts, all four starts in D-backs uniform, his first start in a D-backs uniform, two runs in the second inning. 
in his second start, four runs in the first inning. In his third start, two runs in the first inning. And then his start tonight, seven runs after just two innings. This man gives up earned runs in the first two innings of every game he starts. The D-backs are starting behind the eight ball, whether it's because of his defense or whether it's because of his pitching, usually a combination of both. And it's just not good for this D-backs team, obviously. And I just don't understand why Dallas Keuchel is in this rotation. I would rather move to somebody young. But somebody young that struggled tonight was Jake McCarthy, who we know um, is an interesting outfielder. Now, the D-backs might be taking some offers on me on uh, Jake McCarthy once we get to the trade deadline because we're approaching it. Also, I think you know we're going to talk about David Peralta as a trade candidate, but we know the D-backs have a gluttony of outfielders and guys like Corbin Carroll could be called up pretty soon. So a guy like Jake McCarthy might be a, a target for another team. But I actually like Jake McCarthy. He'd be the one I would want to keep out, you know, out of the Peralta, Luplo, Cooper, Hummel group. I think McCarthy's the guy I like the most. Actually, um, I think he could be a nice little fourth outfielder with some speed, athleticism. Maybe he can tap into a little gap in over the fence power so i actually like jake mccarthy as a platoon you know backup outfielder and i would want to keep him among you know that outfield group of potential trade candidates so um i like jake mccarthy but tonight it just wasn't jake mccarthy's night because i don't know why but why would you be out there in san fran the bay it's sunny we know you know playing the outfield it could be pretty tough during the day especially when it's starting to set and jake mccarthy not only did he not just you know it wasn't the thing where he had the sunglasses on top of his hat and he misplayed the ball the man didn't have sunglasses at all like where are your shades jake mccarthy maybe he thought it was too cool maybe he thought hey i'm not gonna be affected i'm a professional i can go out there and do this i can go out there and uh do this but you can't can't play with mother nature mother nature always wins out in the end and uh in the end here the sunlight got jake mccarthy's eyes and he just misplayed the ball and it didn't go down as an error because it, it was a pretty good hit ball by the the san francisco giants batter but not a good time by jake mccarthy or dallas keiko in this one but before we end this uh segment number one i at least want to bring it back to a positive note and talk about the d-backs offense in the month of july because the d-backs offense of course wasn't good in this game against the san francisco giants but so far in the month of july this offense has been really good as a team and actually you can make the argument uh, a pretty sound argument that entering this game against the giants let's just not let's just forget this game didn't happen Let's forget this game did happen. Entering the game against the Giants tonight, the D-backs led the National League in run scored in this month of July in 12 games. A really crazy stat for the D-backs. And in terms of OPS, the D-backs were third uh, as a team in the National League. If you look at home runs, the D-backs were six. It was not even like they were hitting home runs. But really, what the D-backs have been so good in the month of July, you look at strikeouts, D-backs, second to last in the month of July in strikeouts. And you look at walks, the D-backs, third most walks in the month of July. D-backs are hitting for average, hitting for power. They're getting extra base hits. They're taking a lot of walks, and they're not striking out. The offense has looked incredible in the month of July. Guys like Keta Marte have continued to impress, but Josh Rojas has just been leading this team in the month of July. And, you know, the, the offense wasn't there tonight, but overall in the month of the July, the offense is starting to heat up. It's been very impressive. And that's why I've been talking about, like, maybe this D-backs team can play potentially 500 ball. And they're not going to do it with the way they played tonight. But maybe if you get Dallas Keuchel out the rotation, maybe some of the luck can change for the D-backs. But overall, 
terrible game by the D-backs, but still an overall good month and a positive month. So let's try to stay with the positives and not with the negatives after a 13-0 loss to the Giants. Now, I want to talk about what's wrong with the MLB draft because these teams during this draft, they're going to be looking for future players that could bring maybe, you know, some jewelry to the franchise. And speaking of jewelry, the best place to get some jewelry, some fine jewelry is BlueNile.com because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. BlueNile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. Available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And lockdown listeners, get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code LOCKDOWN. That's code LOCKDOWN. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Now I want to discuss how we can improve the MLB draft and make it more an event to market the young MLB stars better because I think that's one of the biggest issues Major League Baseball has going for them right now. The MLB draft is just not an event. It's just not a spectacle like how it is in other sports. I think baseball desperately needs to fix that because we all know baseball has a marketing issue and I think the draft is part of it and I think the MLB draft should probably be more like how the NHL has it because I think they're probably the two sports are most similar at least when it comes to the draft aspect because these prospects of course won't be seen for a few years unlike the NBA and the NFL where these guys are playing day one um hockey players and baseball players you don't see day one as rookies so I think the MLB should move more toward an move toward more a hockey draft kind of a style because right now for baseball the first round is televised on a Sunday like why are we televising televising the first round of the baseball draft on a Sunday the Thursday first round has been a successful product in hockey football and basketball I don't know why baseball is trying to reinvent the wheel I think having it on Thursdays is a lot more fun than Sundays because one, I think it gives you something to look forward to at the end of the week, especially after school or work. It kind of makes the weekend feel like it's coming to you a little bit earlier, a little bit sooner. And so you have something to look forward to that Thursday after work or school. And then the next day, that Friday, you're just talking about it with your buddies the whole day. Whoa, what are you guys doing in the first round? That was a mistake. You guys reach or, hey, look at who we just got. We just drafted the next superstar. You just get to talk crap with your buddies the next day. And yeah, I guess you could still do that on a Monday, but people come in on Mondays groggy. They're tired they're recovering from the weekend a Friday going into your weekend I think you're just the most pumped up so baseball uh, first issue why are we doing draft 
on Sunday instead of Thursday, at least for the first round. And actually, another issue, um, how about we actually do the draft, like, not just in the MLB Network studios in Secaucus. Like, let's actually have the city host it. Let's rent out a big venue, something like that. Let's invite the top 50 prospects who potentially could go in the first round. Let's put them in a green room. Let's get some fans in that building as well. Let's just have a good time. It should be a party. It should be an event. This is entertainment. We're there to see the future of Major League Baseball. We're there to see future stars. It should be just a great time, positivity all around. And the baseball, they're trying to do that. But when you watch the MLB Network draft, like you got your panel of analysts like how you have in you know every draft show. But then you just have a bunch of GMs in the room. You don't really see any prospects. Like you see the prospects from their house when they bring the camera to them. They might let them talk um, that way. But you don't see the prospects going up really to shake the commissioner's hand or anything like that. Like it's it just such a... Uh, they make it a little bit too professional, I guess, the MLB draft. Like, uh, we just need to add some more fun into there. And right now, the MLB draft just isn't fun. Like, when it comes to MLB's marketing issue about how to market star, uh, how to market these young players who could be future stars of the league, like, obviously, we know one of the big issues with the MLB draft, like we've talked about with the hockey draft, like, you're not going to see these guys for a few years, right? But that still doesn't stop hockey from putting these players front and center. Like, I watched the hockey draft for the first time this last Thursday because, of course, I work for the Arizona Coyotes. It was my first hockey draft that I got to work. And the television product, it wasn't the best. But guess what? Even though every analyst said, hey, you're not going to see these guys for five years, they were still able to parade every draft pick on the stage. We got to see the draft pick shake the commissioner's hand, shake your GM's hand, shake the owner's hand. We got to get that live audio straight from the from the green room. We got to see if you had multiple picks in that first round. We get to see your picks actually meet up right away and have conversations. Like It's just much more of a community event when you do it like that. And for baseball, like you can do it like that too. Like We know we're not going to see these players for a few years, but that doesn't mean you still can't have them in person and have them walk across the stage. I, I think that would be very valuable. Like, Can you even name the last five players that went number one in the MLB drafts? Like, you can't because no one cares. No one ever has discussions about the MLB draft. Like Hockey draft, those guys are super excited for the hockey draft. Hockey fans love the draft. Even though all the analysts are like, you're not going to see this guy in five years. Hockey fans don't care. The draft day is still a big day. It's still a spectacle. And it's just not like that for baseball, unlike how it is for other sports like the Jack Lighters. The Drew Jones of the world. Like These guys should be mini stars already when they walk across stage. Like They already have a little bit of hype and buzz right now leading up to draft day. It's mostly because of their last names, but guess what? After they get drafted, when's the next time you hear about them? Maybe when they start to put it together in double-A or triple-A when they're getting, uh, getting close to the call-up. Outside of that, you're not going to hear too much about their rookie ball, their low-A, what they're doing in the Arizona Fall League or wherever. Like You're not going to hear too much about that. They kind of just... In terms of noise, like they just kind of go in the background. They they just kind of go into silence, and it shouldn't be like that. Like these guys are going to be the stars of the league, and we should know more about them and continue. They should still be getting that exposure after they're getting drafted. And a lot of them, we just don't hear about them again. There's no, we don't have that yearning to watch these guys after they get drafted, which I think is a big mistake. Like, we should be wanting to turn on rookie ball and want to see that first at bat by Jordan Lawler after he gets drafted or whatever. Like, we just don't have those moments in baseball. And part of that 
is because we're not going to see these guys for a few years, but we also aren't marketed the stars before we see them, before they uh, across, before they come across the stage. Like we know about the Drew Jones and the Jack Lighters of the world, but everyone else in the first round, like we should be excited about the guy who gets drafted fifth overall, and those fans, whoever's drafting fifth overall, those fans should want to see that guy in his first at bat at rookie ball. But guess what? They probably never even heard about the guy that they're going to take number five overall because MLB can't even do a good job of marketing these players before draft day and. For Forget about it once after they get drafted because it becomes even um, less exposure for those players. So for baseball, they just have so many issues right now when it comes to the MLB draft. It is just not a very good um, television product at all. And the other, the third issue I have, like I already mentioned, um, let me, I already mentioned how I don't like it on Sundays, of course. That just, I, I don't know why we're doing that. I also don't like how we're just doing it in, you know, out of the Secaucus studio. Like, let's get an event let's get a venue let's make it a whole party i also don't like how they're just not um, uh, enough buzz and exposure for these prospects you know leading up to draft day and after you know heading into the rookie ball seasons and then i guess the fourth issue that i actually have is just when the draft is taking place like since the 2021 draft the they like to do the um baseball draft during the all-star game since the 2021 draft they're now doing the draft during the all-star game which is just doesn't make much sense to me. It just confuses me overall. Like, I know the draft is for based off last year, but that's why it's kind of confusing. Like, why are we doing a draft in the middle of this season based off last season's standings? Like, I just think that adds to unnecessary confusion. Like, we, we just don't need that. I think it would just be a cleaner process if after the World Series, maybe take a week off and then you do the draft like how every freaking sports league does it. And then you do free agency. And so it's like, bop, bop, bop. Your sports calendar is looking clean. I... Like, that's part of how to market these stars better and to increase exposure and eyeballs on your sport. Like, after the season ends, then it's draft season, then it's free agency. Like, that's how the offseason works. People just aren't going to be as excited for this MLB draft when you just do it during the All-Star break. Like, we have either the All-Star break to watch or sometimes you just need a break from baseball after the 80-plus games you just watched in the first half. Like, there's so much going on in baseball already. Now we're just going to have a draft in the middle of the season. Like, it's just way too distracting. They're just too much going on and for baseball like they need to get on the status quo it's okay you don't have to be the unique sport trying to do the draft differently and trying to do different things in your sport like sometimes it's okay to be unoriginal and just copy what other sports leagues are doing because guess what it's working for other sports leagues and baseball they still make a ton of money but in terms of how often you have a baseball conversation or just how much it's even talked about like on sports shows or whatever like that it's just not a lot so for baseball stop being antiquated let's update the draft and let's make it a better television product because i think it will help market the stars better and help increase the exposure on the game now i want to talk about why trading david peralta is a win-win for both him and the D-backs, but if you actually want to bet on David Peralta getting traded this, uh, not offseason, but at the MLB trade deadline, you need to head to betonline.net because it's your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores, and betonline.net remains the best spots for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events including mma boxing and golf head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions betonline where the game starts
let's get back into the pod. That was my little rant about why the MLB draft sucks because I was just talking about it with one of my coworkers the other day. And we're like, why is baseball the only draft where no one cares anything about it? Like, we need to fix that. So those are some of my issues with the MLB draft. But excuse me, let's now talk about a little David Peralta, a little freight train, because I think if David Peralta got traded at the MLB deadline, which we've discussed, I think it would be a win-win for both situations. One, it would be a win for David Peralta and whoever acquires him, because I think David Peralta will be this year's Eddie Rosario, Eddie Rosario, I really said his name terribly, or Jorge Soler, because we know those two players were really crucial to the Braves winning that World Series. Like, the Braves do not win the World Series without making those two moves. Or even Adam Duvall, if you want to throw him in and compare David Peralta to those three guys as well. I mean, those three guys are all outfielders, so it's kind of a clean comparison. And David Peralta, a veteran, a great locker room guy. And I think if you're getting David Peralta, if you're a championship contender just looking for another outfielder, looking for another bat in your lineup. I think David Peralta is perfect. He's not making a ton of money. We've discussed around $8 million on the last year of his contract. So he's a free agent after this season. So a team can bring him in as a rental, see what they got. And if they think David Peralta still has a lot left in the tank, maybe they give him a two or three year deal after the season and bring him back. Or they could just let him walk in free agency because I guarantee you it will not take a lot to acquire the services of David Peralta. Also, when you get Dave Peralta, you're just getting someone that's clutch with runners in scoring position this season. He's got like a 280 average and over 800 OPS runners in scoring position. And it goes deeper than that just because in high leverage moments, like if the game was tied with two outs in the eighth or ninth inning, like who's the short list of D-backs players you want up at the plate? Like it's probably Ketel Marte. And that's probably David Peralta after that because David Peralta just seems to get all the big hits when the D-backs need it, especially late in games. And we've seen a ton of D-backs this year strike out in big moments, strike out with runners in scoring position. But David Peralta always seems to do something positive and productive when he's at the plate in those situations. And is also just an underrated defender. Like David Peralta is a really good defensive outfielder he's been a gold glove finalist the last few years he's won a couple gold gloves as well like David Peralta makes really good defensive plays out there like he's no Dalton Varsho or Alec Thomas when it comes to speed but he's got great athleticism so it allows him to get early jumps on fly balls and he's just absolutely great at tracking it and his ball is like it has stick his glove is like it has sticky stuff in there because it's an absolute magnet when it hits his glove so defense what he can do in the clutch and then the third part of why I think David Peralta is so great because I think just as a locker room presence I think he's the kind of dude that just amplifies the positivity in your locker room especially when your team is rolling I mean we saw the D-backs last season when they would get some early wins early in the year David Peralta, Eduardo Espar in the locker room after boombox, Hispanic music going. They're just dancing, saucing around the locker room. Like, that's what David Peralta does. He's just a great locker room guy. So, I think whoever gets him is just going to really value David Peralta. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up bringing him back in the offseason. But the other reason why this is a win, not just for the team acquiring him and David Peralta, but it's also a win for D backs, the D backs in general. I want to say maybe D backs fans, but and then I thought about it. No, you know what? It would be a win for D-backs fans, but in the moment, they would be pretty sad. But let me tell you why it would be a win for the D-backs organization, at least, because this trade would absolutely clear the way for Corbin Carroll. Maybe not this season, but potentially early next season, because Carroll, if you guys haven't been following along or paying attention, and I'm sure you have because you guys as D-backs fans are very loyal to the team and you guys are 
way more probably invested than I even even I am in this team. But Corbin Carroll basically in the minor leagues has a 300 plus average. Not basically, it's like 315 at the time of me recording this. He has over a thousand OPS, and by the All Star break, I'm sure he's gonna have 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases because I think he's at 18 home runs right now with like 20 stolen bases, like a 300 thousand OPS, 2020 kind of guy. Corbin Carroll can be a future superstar in Major League Baseball. And we combine Corbin Carroll with Dalton Varsho. Like, if Dalton Varsho can also reach the ceiling that we know he has, that's two super dynamic athletic players that could play defense, hit for power, steal bases, and do basically everything you could everything you need on a diamond. Like, those are two prototype baseball players. Like, if you had to go in a lab and say, I want to make the perfect baseball player, like I think you would say, yo, hit for average, power speed defense like those are both like four or five tool players and if Varsho can hit his ceiling with Corbin Carroll that's going to be a nasty duo because I think the D-backs not just duo I think the D-backs will have one of the best young cores in baseball within the next three years because you got Corbin Carroll I'm assuming he's going to be good when he gets called up and I'm only assuming that because of what he's been able to do at every level of the minor leagues so you got Carroll, you also got Alec Thomas, Ketel Marte, Dalton Varsho, and Josh Rojas. Like, that's a legit core of five above-average Major League players that you could definitely build a team around. It's a little too early for me to get excited about Jordan Lawler just yet. If he continues to tear it up and if he, you know, gets elevated and called up to AA and AAA and continues to tear it up like a Corbin Carroll, then I'll fantasize a little bit more. But right now, just too early in Lawler's career for me to fantasize him on the MLB level because he can still end up being a bust. And so I, I don't want to put too much, too many eggs in the Lawler basket just yet until I see a little bit more from him. But if we can clear the way for Corbin Carroll by trading David Peralta this year. I think then next year you do with Corbin Carroll what you did to Alec Thomas this season where maybe the first month of next season you start Corbin Carroll in the minor leagues. Just let him get a little bit of adjusted. Let him get his feet wet and then you call him up after the first month and then you're just up and running with the outfield of Thomas, Varsho, and Carroll. And when you look at that trio in the outfield, like I want to see that trio so desperately in the outfield next season. And just think about it, like, is there another outfield in baseball going forward with a higher ceiling than those three? Like, seriously, over the next five years, is there an outfield you would rather have than Carroll, Alec Thomas, and Dalton Varsho? Now, I think a big reason why there may not be another outfield you would rather want is because either the team's best outfielder on another team is probably going to be too old within the next five years, or it's like a Juan Soto situation where he's just not playing next to a lot of talent. Like, I think this could be the best outfield trio since probably... The Red Sox triple Bs with Ben Attendee, Betts, and Jackie Bradley Jr. When we thought that was going to be, you know, three potential all-stars. I mean, they were already winning World Series. And then the Red Sox kind of broke it up. I hope the D-backs don't break it up because this is the future of the D-backs organization. Those three, plus a Ketel Marte and probably a Rojas and Jordan Lawler as well. The D-backs have a lot of talent on this team. And I want to see this young talent be called up pretty soon, you know, when talking about Corbin Carroll. And also, if we're trading David Peralta, like, yeah, it would hurt D-backs fans, obviously. But we'll at least have another guy to live vicariously through in the playoffs. And if David Peralta is able to have a deep playoff run, like, I think that would make us happy as D-backs fans. Like, we're all going to be supporting. We're all going to be watching David Peralta if that happens. So at least give us a character in the postseason to vicariously live through if David Peralta really got traded to a championship contender. And then once we see Corbin Carroll get called up next season, I think we'll all feel better about ourselves and the David Peralta trade. So 
I think it would be a win-win if the D-backs trade David Peralta won because he'll get to go to a contender, he'll get to shine, and then it would also clear the way for future superstar Corbin Carroll. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. I got a little bit, I got a little bit overzealous. I said, um, I said yesterday that Ben Caspic was going to be on today's pod. That did not happen. I was a day early. He's going to be on tomorrow's pod, so be on the lookout for that. Thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked On MLB Prospects with host Lindsey Crosby. We discussed that MLB draft today. It's around the corner, so go check it out with Lindsey with Lindsay Crosby, who's a prospect encyclopedia. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!